Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, bowl preview. I don't know, Matt, what number? Four or five? We've been doing a lot of these. A lot of good bowl games, right? Yeah, you know, previews, recaps, we'll, we'll number them once we get them onto our feeds. Yeah, we'll label this one the Hawaii Bowl preview, Memphis versus Hawaii at uh, Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. I think I got the name in there. This is, our, this is a Christmas Eve game. It is five Pacific. 8 Eastern, what's that, 2 local in Hawaii, I believe, 2 p.m.? Uh, yes, I believe so. So mid-afternoon game there. Not the super late-night Hawaii game, but still 8 o'clock on the East Coast. And as we jokingly mentioned last podcast, you mentioned time to time, you just kind of ignore your family just for a little bit here and there. Have one eye in the game, pull up your uh, ESPN app, watch it there, your TV provider, st- streaming service. Uh, slight, slight, t- slight correction can I make? What's that? 3 p.m. Hawaii time. Uh, okay, they don't, do they do daylight saving time? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, okay, 3 p.m. Whatever. Okay, still not late. Yet. Okay, I'm pretty sure if you're in Hawaii, you know what time it starts. But for us, it's like, oh, what time is it? And apologies for time zone because my time zone gets skipped all the time here in the mountain time mm-hmm. zones. Like, yeah, I get it. But okay, this game, eight and a half favorite <clears throat> for the Memphis Tigers. Apologies there. 56 over under, six and six Memphis, six and seven Hawaii. Hawaii got to this game because the NCAA decided to uh, miraculously make a Frisco Classic bowl game for, you know, one year only, or as I like to call it, a pop-up bowl game <laughs> to allow for every team that's bowl eligible to play, which is good. More football is always fun. And while the records here are just mediocre at best, this might be, there's a lot of intrigue and pop points this game because, you know, why football is a mess. And if you listen to our, our prior podcast about the Warriors, um, you will know there are some problems, right? <laughs> yeah, so so as of right now, we're recording this on December 19th, Sunday evening. Um, of course, Siobhan Cordero already found his landing spot. He's at San Jose State now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dede Hunter has transferred to Liberty. Uh, they also lost one of their starting cornerbacks, Cameron Lockridge, you know, destination in the transfer portal TBD. Those are the three, you know, those are the three big departures at this point. You know, there are a number of other role players who have found their way into the portal. 
but I think one of the one of the narratives of this game is obviously like we we've had discussions with you know with uh, oh, now I'm trying to remember his name. I'm Mark, right here, Mark, Mark DeLucci. DeLucci. Yes. I was looking it up. Mark DeLucci podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I was like, I don't want to. I was like, I can't remember his first name. <laughs> so I apologize for yeah. that. But but you know we're we're familiar with what's been going on with you know some of the the behind the scenes you know I don't I, I don't want to call it drama that's not the right word but the the troubles. no 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 I I was call it drama say, drama and issues yes lean into it but but they aren't the only they aren't the only program in this game undergoing some kinds of transitions and and sure. while for for the Memphis Tigers it isn't quite as volatile I guess you would say. You're like you can't talk about this bowl game without sort of recognizing you know the the the, the changes that they've had to undergo as they come into this game on Christmas Eve. So, for instance, you know their number one receiver, which by and large is the number one receiver anywhere in the American Athletic Conference last year, Calvin Austin the third, you know seventy four catches, eleven hundred forty nine yards, eight touchdowns, first team All Conference dude, not playing in this game. Not good. He's decided to forego the bowl game in order to focus on NFL draft prep. You know, he's the number one weapon in his offense. And so, you know, that right off the bat is, you know, a, a maybe I don't want to say a huge strike against them, but it, it it removes maybe their most reliable option from an offense that's been you know decent this year. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But they're also coming into this game with an interim defensive coordinator as well because their former defensive coordinator, Mike McIntyre, former... I've heard of that name before. <laughs> we've heard of that name before, former San Jose State guy, former Colorado head coach. Um, he was the DC at Memphis, has been hired recently as Florida International's head coach. And so... Good luck. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we, we've seen similar kinds of transitions within coaching staffs already in, in bowl season so far. I think Fresno State was the most obvious example of that. Um but you know the, their their head coach Ryan Silverfield has elevated their defensive backs coach Charles Clark to the DC role, and so there, there's enough going on with this Memphis team that you know you're you're tempted, especially I think if you're a Hawaii fan, to be like, oh God, we're so screwed going into this game. I'm raising my hand to that aspect. Yes, I think Hawaii is screwed. Not to give away my result here already. They're but again, trouble. but again, there's there, but there's enough going on on both sides to make it think that it may not be necessarily as clear cut. As, as someone who, you know, may not pay attention to Memphis football all the time, it, it, it may be a little murkier than it, than it would appear at first glance. I guess that's what I'll start by saying. Maybe anyway, because here's a good thing about Hawaii. Like, D.D. Hunter hasn't, like, played all year. So, like, was it um, the other running backs who have played throughout the season? Also with um, um, St. Shevon Cordero, like, he has been – what? how many games did he miss? Two, three games or something? It's like three games, yeah. So, these aren't – a like we mentioned in our, our prior recap, we had um Cooper Lega from Utah State come in, never play all year, throw a touchdown pass, lead, lead them to victory, which was amazing that that was able to be done. Mm-hmm. But Hawaii's had backups having to play throughout the year due to injury. So when you look at who's actually playing, it's not brand new newbie guys who have never played just on the practice squad or get not, whatever you mean backups without many reps. But you have when you have like Braden Schrager in there. Like Derrick Parsons says, Derrick Parson Parson almost had as many yards as D.D. Hunter. Exactly. Eight more touchdowns, eight TDs. And then Cordero was a running threat too. So, and they also have Calvin Tyler Jr. It's like, what's he, it's his final game. What's he going to do in step of a play? So there's still weapons here, but there's not just, there's like a lot of turmoil. Like if you listen to our other Hawaii show, we're not going to rehash it here now, but basically Todd Graham's not being a great guy is being a good coach and trying to get these most out of these guys. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, 
players in the portal, like they're the convention, three guys who are out, multiple other guys, and there's people maybe fences are being mended with Graham and everybody else. Like, oh, maybe I do need to listen and adjust my coaching tactics and relationship tactics with this team because there's guys like, why am I going to play for Scott? I'll do the bowl game. I'm out of here. That wouldn't be surprised if there's guys who are doing that, particularly upperclassmen. But let's just say that's getting a little bit better. The guys who are playing, they are like they're not experienced. Like Schrager, Schrager wasn't great, but he's at least completed 60% of his passes. However, sacked nine times, five interceptions, and 107 attempts only. So that's not great. So, and his yards per attempt was only 5.7 compared to almost eight for Cordero. But yeah, they do have and- guys like Nick Mardner who can catch the ball. Calvin Taylor Jr. led the team with 73 receptions. Well, they have talent. Then, it's just interesting to see what the well, mood is going to be for this team. Yeah, and I think you know when it comes to Shager in particular, I think that's a, it's maybe the, the the best place to start talking about this offense. Yes, you know there there it's one thing to look at sort of like the season stats, and it's another thing to sort of look back and see what he actually accomplished on a per game basis in the three games that he saw significant playing time. So of course in the in the first one. The Hawaii pulled the stunner against Fresno State. And, and while he had two touchdowns, like he wasn't necessarily the reason, the, the biggest reason why the Warriors won that game because he was only 11 of 27, only had 116 yards, didn't really have a ton of big plays. And then, you know, in the, the following week on the road at Nevada, fell flat, you know, four interceptions. Mm-hmm, I remember that game. Im- improved, that game. It, improved his completion rate, but, you know, he, you know, again, only 5.3 yards per carry or per attempt, excuse me. But then the last game against New Mexico State, which I think is maybe the most telling. He, like, like he didn't have any touchdowns, but also didn't have any interceptions, which I think is maybe the biggest point in his favor. And I would say, despite the lack of touchdowns, that it was definitely his best overall game you know, because he was able to complete 25 of 29 passes, had 200 yards. You know, and again, 7.6 yards per attempt is more solid than, than spectacular. But I think when you when you look at this game and you look at this Memphis defense, like the Tigers defense isn't necessarily something to write home about. And, you know, I say that, you know, when I think when I'm looking at sort of the traditional metrics and the advanced metrics, there really isn't anything about this defense that stands out. And and I would say, by contrast, there are probably some things that that Hawaii could take advantage of if if they're up for it. So, like, for example, Memphis has a slightly below average pass rush, you know, on the year, mm-hmm. you know, they're only 82nd nationally, 6% sack rate, you know, and they're definitely below average in terms of their ability to defend the run, you know, in terms of, you know, stuff rate, their, their defensive stuff rate is only 12.5%. That's 124th in the country. Same thing with power success rate, you know, they're 80% success rate allowed. That's 113th. And so what I see is a Memphis team that is not not necessarily that great on defense, and this was a team that was never that good at defense to begin with. If you want I to remember put it, all those shootouts when they're even when they're really good, with Mike Norvell, they're needed to score fifty points to win. Yeah, like if you want to put it in layman's terms, when you look at what they did in in terms of like yards per play, you know, five point four yards per play is is you know it's okay, but you know they definitely got lit up down this you know by by a bunch of really good offenses. Um, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, they, it, it's sort of, I'm trying to think of the best way to possibly explain this in the <laughs> simplest amount of words, in the fewest amount of words. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. 
It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I think one easy way to explain it would be in terms of like available yards percentage, which I know I've mentioned on previous podcasts, but basically it's the amount of yards earned per drive in, in terms of percentage. So if you start at your own 25, you get to the opponent's 25, you settle for a field goal, you've earned 50 of 75 total yards, that's 66%. So on yeah. offense, Memphis is a pretty good offense overall. You know, we, you know, they played the entire season with Austin the third, of course, but they're top 40 unit on that side of the ball, essentially. 52.3% of available yards percentage earned. By contrast, on defense, they're 92nd nationally. They're, so they're giving up over 50% of available yards per drive as well. And, and so they don't necessarily have like, you know, I think an easy way to look at this is like, you know, they don't have anybody that in terms of like a all conference defender, really, besides their linebacker, JJ Russell. And that's about it. Like you know, they don't have a lot of standout guys on that side of the ball. And so I look at Hawaii and I say, Okay, well, first of all, if they, can win, if they can win the turnover battle, which I think mostly comes down to Shager avoiding the critical mistake. Yeah, they can't have a four-interception game to win this one. And if they can lean on a ground game, which not only still has Parson at, at running back, they still also have Calvin Turner Jr. as well. 70-plus receptions. And, and oh, by the way, they still have all the wide receivers as well. So they still have Nick Mardner. They still have Zion Bowens. And so I see a path forward against a defense that is – that was never necessarily all that great to begin with, I guess I would say. No, you're not wrong. Like there, there's enough to be not good, to be excited about or enough to know where, you know, losing the quarterback and trigger. It's like, it, if you look at the one game where he played bad, besides that, it's like, it was fine. It wasn't terrible, but that one game is glaring that included the four picks. He did five for the year. Yeah. So if he can, like you mentioned, avoid the turnovers, very simple. Um, Parsons who's seen starting time. Turner, maybe get a few more carries. Like there's a pathway for them to win this game. I just, for me, like off the field stuff has to be factored considerably for me in this particular matchup. Like this might be the over under might be too low at 56. This might be like a 35. I think honestly, here's what I think is going to happen. Memphis is just going to come out there and beat the crap out of Hawaii because of all the other issues they have going on, or it's going to be a close win by their team. I don't see Hawaii running away and just scoring at will and winning like 38 to seven. See, I think if they I, do, I think if they do though, it's going to be on the strength of their running game, because in, in because Memphis's defense is not necessarily great shakes, you know, in terms of like expected points added, for instance, you know, per pass they're 96th nationally on defense against the run they're 103rd, and for all the trouble that Hawaii has had this year on the ground in particular, they're they're a top 40 unit essentially, and you know while while Hunter and and Cordero had a you know significant part in that. You know, I, I, I think one of the things that surprised me in terms of like the, the pro football focus all conference team, for example, was the fact that that Parson was the guy who was rated higher yeah. than Hunter was. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it sort of, that sort of took me by surprise. But then you look back and, and like how many yards per carry did he average this year? Well, then look at the one bit. If you take not the take away, but that um, Hunter had that one huge, what, 170 plus yard game. He so, wasn't so, super consistent. So I guess it wouldn't surprise me if, if Parson ended up with like 20 carries and, and and Turner Jr. ended up with like somewhere between 10 and 12 targets out of the backfield and a handful of carries as well. 
because there's not a lot to suggest that, that Memphis is going to offer a lot of resistance. No, you're, you're right. Like, because we look at what's going on for them in Hawaii's offense. You, you said you're right. You mentioned all the receivers are there. One running back has gone. Like, they still have the offensive line. I mean, like, important key areas are intact mm-hmm. for this team. It's just, it just circles back quarterback. How's he going to do? That's what I think this game will ultimately come down to. Because if Shager has a bad game, well, it's not going to go well for them. It's like very common sense, even for most teams. You know what I mean? If your quarterback plays bad, you're not going to play well. This is just amplified because of Cardinal Cordero said why he left, but it's pretty clear. And, and, and Memphis and defense has given up almost six yards of play. So they're we're almost there's near the bottom of the American, 430 yards a game, almost six yards per play. They are not a good defense. Like they're this is a chance for Hawaii to even if they make mistakes, they hang around in this game because of what they can do to this uh, Tigers defense. And and here's the other thing, too. While while the Tigers have definitely been led on on by their offense throughout the year, Shaker is not the only freshman quarterback playing in this game. Oh, do tell. That, and that's because Seth Hennigan has been the guy who has emerged and, and seen most of the playing time for for the Tigers this year. You know, he's thrown almost 400 passes. He's got you know a, a, a completion rate just a tick under 60 percent, and he, you know he's had a pretty good year altogether. You know, he's averaging eight and a half yards per attempt. You know, 25 touchdowns against eight interceptions. A very solid freshman campaign, all things considered. But again, he's not playing with his number one target now. And he also took something of a step back in November as well. So in the four games that the Tigers played down the stretch, you know, his, his completion percentage saw a slight tick downwards. He had only nine touchdowns against four interceptions. And maybe most importantly, his yards per attempt average dropped from nine yards to seven yards, which is not insignificant. And that's despite throwing the ball more often, you know, they sort of, they've, they've thrown the ball more often month by month throughout the year. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, maybe, you know, limited upside as far as their ability to throw the ball down the field, you know, other than Austin junior, like they, they have at least one other reliable option in their passing game. Now they have the tight end, Sean Dykes, who could create a headache. You know, he's a guy who caught 48 passes, averaged almost 14 yards to catch seven touchdowns, you know, so he's like the other, you know, legitimate all commerce type caliber guy who could do damage. And if the Warriors aren't ready for him. But again, you know, without Austin Jr., it's it's sort of hard to see how else that offense is going to come together to, to, to pick up Hannigan. Well, we'll see how it goes, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and so and so, like you know, I, I look at Hawaii and I think you know their their best chance is for them to you know try and get pressure on him, which they've only really been able to do intermittently throughout the year. You're, you're still looking at a defense that you know they've been solid against the run for the most part but they've struggled to generate a pass rush as well. That's something that both of these teams have in common. We just mentioned like Memphis is 82nd uh, in terms of overall sack rate. Hawaii is 113th, 4.5% overall on defense. So somebody on that side of the ball has got to step up and and put pressure on Hennigan, whether that's, I mean, I don't even know who that would be. Blessman Ta'ala, Darius Buisal, somebody's got to step up and, and generate pressure. Because I think that'll make a life a lot easier for, you know, even despite Lockridge's absence in this game, you know, everybody else is still back there. You know, Quentin Frazier's had a very good year. Cortez Davis was an all-conference guy. Corey Bethley is an all-conference guy. And Hugh Nelson has been a pretty solid contributor as well. So, yeah, losing Lockridge hurts. 
But again, they still have enough personnel back there to think that they should be able to hold up well against, again, a Memphis offense that's without its number one guy. So also keeping Memphis overall, looking at the turnover stuff, they're minus four overall, mm-hmm. which isn't good. So that's a problem. It's the uh, they have uh, 11 interceptions against them, eight fumbles. Um, so they're minus four, which is could be another thing. It could be a freshman quarterback thing with the 11 interceptions overall, clearly, because young quarterback, it's playing against a pretty good competition in the American. Pretty sure they played Cincy and Houston, I believe, I want to say. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, American has some solid teams. So there's that to consider as well. So that could be a thing if you have Derek Master get back there in the backfield for some fumbles, make a bad pass. That could go their way because obviously it's simple as this turnover margin's a big deal in college football or NFL or any football. And so being minus four in the air at this point, not terrible, but it's also not ideal because that means what every other game, every third game, they're down a turnover. I mean, that's why they're six yeah. and six. Yeah, they they beat they played Houston. They did not play Cincinnati, by the way. They what? They did play them? They they played Houston, but they did not play Cincinnati. Okay, I figured off the cuff. Like, ah, oh, they probably played one of those two teams. I know Houston for sure is in their division, but but when you look at like turnover margin, that's when the young quarterback, that's the thing to look at as well. And I'm trying to pull up Hawaii's here. Maybe I'm way off base. It's like minus 12 or something, but I don't think so. But within the Mountain West, Hawaii is, uh, yeah, they're minus two. So they're not, they're, either team's terrible, but I'm just looking for a little bit of things here where, where it could be better or worse. When you look at Hawaii, they have 16 interceptions. So it's more than five. Was that five more than I said than Memphis? So turnovers, neither team's extremely amazing with the ball, protection or letters like factor or forcing turnovers. So there's something to look at where there's a, that's why they're six and seven and six and six. That's one of the reasons where protecting the ball is a big issue. And that's always a thing to look at. And I was trying to find a few extra little tidbits in this game, but like overall it's Hawaii's offense. Cause look what they've done this year. They've been, let's go back to the first state game. They won that game with what? Four interceptions. I think they had, didn't they, have that like six. Maybe, maybe it's or they six had six turnovers. turnovers yeah. So like think of that they were, Plus six in one game, and they're still minus four in the year. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of wild to think about, like for how well they did in that one game. But there's games where they have low scoring games. Not every game, like the, yeah, they scored they, back and forth. Okay, only 10 versus UCLA, but they put up 41 versus New Mexico State, 27 versus Fresno State in victory, um, 50 versus Colorado State, 38 versus Wyoming. But then again, the 10 versus San Diego State or like 13 in the loss to San Jose State, their offense can be hit or miss. So with the backup quarterback, that's something to consider because the offense is uh, probably not – it's not even a good way to put it, but perhaps what they've done this year offensively. I think that would be fair to say, yeah. Partly because of injuries and partly due to production. And so – and maybe Memphis is the cure for that. Where, okay, if they're not very good, we'll pass for 285 yards and starting running back, um, Parsons will have like 99 yards on like only 17 carries. So, like, so with that in mind, here's another thing that both of these teams have in common. Both of them have been terrible in terms of stopping third down conversions. Mm-hmm. You, the, the Tigers are dead last at, out of the American with a 48% conversion rate allowed. Hawaii is dead last in the Mountain West, 46.1 conversion rate allowed. You know, if you're looking in terms of like Parker Fleming uh, at Stats of War on Twitter, um, you know, he has third and fourth down success rate on, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Hawaii is 119th nationally. 50% over, overall allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis is 126, 51.9%. So you have to think that something is going to give. And while both of these teams are, are definitely not coming into this game at full strength, 
Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 pretty clear to say that you know whichever team finds an edge as far as their ability to move the chains more consistently and turn this into a high scoring affair is going to have an advantage in the end. Well, that makes sense, right? Because they're because they're both flawed. But you know the but again, it's it's sort of like you know maybe a weakness versus weakness kind of thing where where neither offense is operating at full strength, but they're going up against a pair of defenses that have this particular flaw. So who's going to exploit it most often? I guess this is what I'm saying overall. I don't know, man. We'll see. Right? I guess yes, that we, yes works. we will. <laughs> um, so one thing to know about this game: if you're going to the game, I'll bring this up because I have it in front of here. It's playing at a smaller stadium. Um, I don't know how many fans are going, but if you're at Hawaii, you're probably familiar. But if you're a Memphis fan, stumble across this, still listening, thank you. You probably already know this, but uh, got to have a face mask, vaccination, negative test, uh, clear bag policy, all that type of stuff. So don't be surprised where you see some people like, what? I have to do what to go to this bowl game? Be prepared to know how to get the game. And this will be an interesting set because it's a small stadium, because it's a technically their practice field. Just something where it'd be like it'll be one of the more unique bowl games to watch outside of being Christmas Eve, outside of being more Hawaii football what this white team going to be because also these guys gone like not a special quarterback. Like this is kind of the future of Hawaii football a little bit. Like this is a good time for assuming things get settled over guys who are there, want to be there. coach Graham kind of, um, they kind of figure things out. Things get smoothed over, over, overall, as I use the same word twice, but Dedrick Parson, Dedrick Parson will be back. So Calvin Turner's gone, but this is a chance to see some of these uh, newer guys, a game earlier than expected. Mm-hmm. So the, the, who cares? Well, I, I sometimes do say who cares about the result. The result can have momentum and positive or negative impact on the season going forward for next year and spring and all that stuff. But like Nick Martin's back, they have enough guys back where and new guys coming into play, but this is a chance to your quarterback and we'll see what uh, Shager does against the defense where he should have success. And like, I could see Hawaii winning, but I'm just uh, still not sure on that, but this is a chance to a few guys who may at least one or two guys in defense as well with the uh, new DBs taking one step up higher in that uh, depth chart. Definitely. So overall, man, I don't know. What do the numbers say? Because I I know that it don't include opt-outs, all that type of stuff. The Vegas line again, Memphis, us a high eight and a half in favor of the Tigers. So um points. So FEI favors Memphis, although not by a whole lot. They favored the Tigers by 2.4. Uh Bill Connolly's SP plus metric also favors the Tigers by just 0.6, which is a 51% win probability. And uh, Parker Fleming at Stats War. His advanced stats preview gives Memphis a 59.78% win probability with a projected margin of roughly 38 to 34. Interesting. So what do you say? I think I'm going to take Memphis in this game. Oh, I, after all I, that, you're going to take Memphis. I see. I, I do think, no, but, but I'm, I, I don't think Hawaii is doomed in the same way that a lot of people would think Hawaii is doomed just based off of recent headlines. I think the Warriors are going to be able to put up some points in this game. I think the problem is that Memphis is going to be able to publish a little bit more. So I'm going to take the Tigers to win and to cover. What do you say it was? Eight? Eight and a half. I'm going to say 31 to 21. Okay. Man, now my pick's gonna make me seem reasonable. Okay, <laughs> not that what you, you got, got what reasonable you got? T- 10 points. That would put it at the under. I think because after you talking about what the Memphis defense and me looking at what they've done or not done this year, I could I, I think it's gonna be I think I, I like the home teams. Like we're doing a good amount of teams for two and oh so far with the well, it depends if you're listening to this, but we're recording this after you know, Fresno State, Utah State win. So we got two games in between before here. But I'm gonna go oh, man. Because remember, at the on start of this, I go, Hawaii's going to get crushed. 
half kidding, not kidding. We'll see. I do think the way Memphis deficiencies they have defensively, I think it's going to be more points in the over under. I think the because Wise defense isn't amazing either. You know what I mean? That's you get true. lots of points sometimes. So, but then again, to Memphis without the leading receiver, that's a problem. But I'm going to go Memphis 35, Hawaii 31. All right, then. I'm going that. So I think Memphis will win. I just like going on, but that's my opinion. So it's going to be a, a close one by either team or a blowout by Memphis. I don't think Hawaii is going to come in there and just crush them, like 40 to 15 or something. Gotcha. That would be the most surprising result out of them all. So this wraps up our latest bowl edition, the Hawaii Bowl. Again, 6 o'clock Mountain, 5 Pacific, uh, 8 Eastern. So sneak a, sneak a night at the table. If you're on the West Coast, have a late dinner. You know what I mean? Like a Christmas Eve. I know families are all day, but like, uh, it's like, hey, mom, hey, grandma, let's have dinner like at 7 p.m. So I can watch a little bit of this Hawaii football game, right? Yeah, just you know spend, spend time with them early so you can sneak away late. That's the thing. Totally, especially or whatever, if, or if you need whatever, it depends where you're at time zone, make it work for you. Late dinner, watch a game early, or if you're out east, like, oh, hey, let's um just make it worth it. Give a trade off. Hey, I'll spend time with you to, if you give me two hours here. Or, there you go. You know, you know, another a, a good hack is like, okay, I don't watch a ton of games live just because schedules and whatnot. Just say to get there at halftime is blast through it. You know what I mean? You could get the direct your um streaming service, you got the fast forward button, man, just uh. You don't need to see, you don't need to hear commentator too much. You don't need. To I like I like that plan. I do that a lot too. It's like okay, and then you maybe catch up live midway through the fourth quarter. So a couple options if you're in a time crunch and you kind of want want to watch this game. And because here's the thing, if you don't watch it Friday night, and unless you're a Hawaii Memphis fan, you're probably not going. You're not watching Christmas Day. You know what I mean like you're not gonna have time to watch the game. So try to carve out a few hours or out two hours or something to watch the game. So or third option, Matt. You know well. If you have kids, parents, you wrap presents late at night. Just have this game on while you're doing presents at midnight. You know what I mean? Bingo. That's another option too. So you got plenty. There's there's ways to watch this game because it'll be a intriguing game, I think, because a lot of storylines. And uh, who doesn't like watch? Hey, here's my final pitch to watch the game at Calvin Tyler Jr. Oh, geez, no crap. That's Utah State. Calvin Turner. <laughs> Dang, I ruined it. Edit, delete. No, I'll keep it. Calvin Turner. It's Matt, Calvin Tyler Jr., Calvin Turner Jr., it's like Tur- Turner Jr. That's that's the same name, right? It's, it's the same guy. I, I, I empathize with the with the confusion there. Yeah, it's very close. So Turner, watch him play one last time because he's he deserves what it. it. He deserves it, and who knows if he'll be playing at next level? But he takes up like five positions, so you never know. But that's one reason to watch this game to see what Turner could do one last time. So that's it for this recap or preview. Jeez, I'm, Matt, when we record for two hours, I go crazy. MWR.com. <laughs> Watch the game. We'll be back to recap this game. I'll just say this in the future because I don't know when. So have a Merry Christmas. Um, Enjoy all the bowl games so far. We'll be back next time.